This episode of Campfire Conversations brought to you by Quail Coalition. Sustain and restore. That is what this organization lives by when it comes to quail conservation and research. There's 12 chapters located throughout Texas. Love to invite you to become a member today. My favorite part about Quail Coalition is that money stays local. That's right. No more sending two-thirds of what you raise back to nationals so that they can distribute it how they see fit. Uh Uh-uh. Quail Coalition keeps all of that money here in Texas, which doesn't that just make too much sense? Uh, For more info, go to quailcoalition.org to become a member or to, uh, to get plugged in with a local chapter. I hear those big cats growl Where the quail gonna fly to Where will the rabbits run now I watch them tear all the hell What used to be my church Tear up my grandpa's land Alright, there's little Chris Knight Dirt kicking things off for us on this edition of Campfire Conversations. I think this is uh, number 20 of the, uh, the bonus content that we try to put out as frequently as possible. Today we are talking upland hunting, specifically bird dogs and bob whites and the younger generation. Who's going to carry that torch? Because let's be honest, um, upland hunting is an old man's game. And old men aren't getting any younger. I'm somewhere, you know, I'm in the middle. I'm caught in between. I'm 40. So not young, not old, but um, the people that I know with bird dogs are all older than I am, and I think that that trend is concerning. And there's a lot of reasons why that trend is reality, right? I mean, there's less places to hunt quail. The historical range of the Bob White is shrinking due to, well, let's just take where I live into consideration, like North Texas. 30 years ago, there were bobwhites everywhere. Uh, you could go hunt them on WMAs like um, Lake Ray Roberts where I cut my teeth duck hunting. One of my best uh, duck hunting buddies told me that he used to hunt quail there all the time. That's been 30 years. I don't know when the last time there was a quail in uh, Denton County. It's probably probably was the late 80s, mid-90s. All of that's been developed, and, and that isn't unique to North Texas or even Texas specifically. It's gotten very expensive. Quail leases aren't cheap. Um, bird dogs having the space to to kennel them, um, all that stuff comes into play. And so when I met John Prawn, the head trainer over at Plum Creek Kennels in Fredericksburg, Texas, I was very excited to see his passion and enthusiasm for the dogs and the hunt and making sure that this time-honored tradition doesn't go by the wayside because there are less bird hunters upland you know quail pheasant there's less of us now than at any point in the last 125 years and that's sad so when you meet a guy in his early 20s whose passion for the sport is just contagious I mean, that left the lasting impression on me uh, john and i actually spent a couple days together hunting out in uh southwest texas a place that ended up being kind of a void of quail, but we had 4,000 acres to play with. And he brought, um, and I just put out a, like a 
just a message on Facebook. Anybody know any anyone with some good bird dogs? I've, I've got this place. I'm going to go look at it, possibly lease it for quail. I need to find out if there's quail on it. <laughs> and so John brought a box of dogs out there, and uh, we met for the first time at like um, 11 o'clock. I mean, he was late getting in at, uh, to the camp house there. And early the next morning, uh, we were out in the field with a, a good string of dogs trying to find some Bob Whites. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and take a listen to that conversation with, uh, with someone I'm proud to call a friend, a new friend, John Prawn, uh, Plum Creek Kennels. John, it's good to see you again, man. Yes, sir. Likewise, likewise. So uh, we had the most, um, I would say, unlikely of, of uh, rendezvous somewhere out in West Texas a couple weeks ago. I had uh, intentions of, and I am leasing the property, by the way, for turkeys. Uh, still there you go. It. Yeah. But the guys that were thinking about getting on this, uh, this beautiful place out there around Mertzen, the guys that had the dogs that were going to jump on with me, you know, they all, I told them, you guys put this on your calendar. This is like three months ago, John. And, you know, here comes the weekend that we're supposed to go. And one guy's like, oh, I'm skiing, man. I'm like, uh, another guy's like, oh, I'm javelina hunting in uh, northwestern Oklahoma. And <laughs> the other guy's like, um, I'm on my way back from skiing. And then I was just like, well, you guys are morons. So. I need to go look at this property. I've got it blocked off on my calendar. The wife knows I'm going out of town. Um, so I put out a message on Facebook. Does anybody have any good bird dogs and feel like going on an adventure? I don't know what this property is going to be like, if it even has a lot of quail on it. And someone uh, told you about it. And next thing you know, we're meeting in West Texas, having uh, <laughs> never met each other. But you had some great dogs. And and I want to talk about the dogs and and. More importantly, what you do, um, you are, what, I think you're 22 years old? 22 years old, yes, sir. We're from down here in Fredericksburg, Texas, um, and we run Plum Creek Kennels. Bill Dillon is actually the original creator of the kennel. He started this kennel in South Dakota in the, oh, the 70s, and Bill, was, he was running American Britneys and was traveling American Britneys. And then he discovered this little French Brittany, which is a, a cousin to the American Brittany, but it's a different dog, a little smaller in stature and size. Um, it runs a little bit closer and it's more for a foot hunter instead of the big uh, running American Brittany's like they like to run in the horseback trials. The French Brittany's for a much closer hunting dog. Um, it's a very sweet dog. And so the, the goal of our breeding program is to produce a dog that's amazing in the field but then it can also come home and just sit on the couch with you and that's kind of the whole snitch of our breeding program we're just trying to give people a good family dog but then also a dog that you can take them out to the woods and, and let them run on the prairies or you can take them out to the, the woods in wisconsin that we hunt quail in texas with them um, it's just a little versatile dog that we, we we're just tickled by and we love it more than anything so did you grow up around um, hunting dogs? We did, but I mean, back, in, back at that time, I mean, there weren't really like the training we do now is more, more uh, my style of training <laughs> without being too uh, exposing some of those guys. I mean, they were a little more old school about it. I mean, dog goes in, bust the bird. I mean, they're going to crack the whip on them and we don't really do that anymore. Um, it's just kind of letting the dog figure it out. I mean, because at the end of the day, the dog, not going to do wrong because it's trying to to make the owner upset it's really just doing the best thing it thinks it can do that day and 
and I think over time we've kind of learned that more. And so it's necessarily not beating the dogs anymore. It's just teaching. It's a teaching process now instead of the, the rough ways they did in the past. And so growing up, I mean, it, it kind of evolved from that, which I'm happy to see. Um, but I mean, for the most part, it, it wasn't dogs that I was fascinated in. I always wanted to be a rancher or a farmer and be outside, just have some kind of ties with the outside. I, I worked in an, an internship in an office for about two months in San Antonio, Texas, and it was miserable every day, <laughs> every day. I knew I had my I had short hair at home and I was always miserable in there. And I, I got out and I ran into the Heitzlers and they were looking for a hand around the kennel and then the rest is history now. Um, but I mean, it's, it's always been a part of the life being outside and just enjoying nature and, and taking it for what it is and just looking at the natural beauty of things. Mm -hmm. So you actually just graduated from college during the pandemic, right? Right. Tarleton state university. Uh -huh. Now, did you really graduate? Cause you told me when we were hunting together that they just kind of were like, ah, it's COVID. <laughs> you don't do you even have to take a test anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, we took finals. We took finals and everything. And, and they have us in front, but man, it was definitely, it was a flip of things. Cause I, you go from living on campus to seeing all your friends and going to class. And, and that's kind of the best way to learn. I think is through the dialogue that you have in that class, instead of just the the teachers giving you a PowerPoint and, and saying, okay, this is what you got to learn this week, test on Thursday or test on Friday or do Sunday. Um, so that was, I mean, that was okay, but I mean, it didn't feel like school much at all, uh, but it, it definitely made it, it easy. Cause I got to be out at the kennel more than, more than I, I got to be in a classroom, which I love. <laughs> yeah. And you actually played baseball, uh, but you told me you didn't really even like baseball. You just did it because you were good at it and it was a means to an end to, to get an education. Right. Yeah. I mean, we had to figure out a way for me to, to get into school. And, and I went to junior college. I played junior college baseball in Mount Pleasant, Texas. And um, it was fun. That was the most fun. And the, but then when you move on to the bigger levels, it, it just becomes a little more of like a job where you're going to to these team meetings and pep rallies and stuff like that. But in junior college, we hardly had any teams. I think there was a soccer team, a softball team, and the baseball team and a rodeo team. Those were our four big teams. And other oh, wow. than that, we were, and, but at Tarleton, you go, there's a giant football stadium. There's a giant soccer team. There's tennis courts. And it's a, it's a much different culture change. But if I had to do it again, I definitely go back to junior college, but not the four year. The four yeah. year was not a ton of fun. <laughs> right, right. Well, you you told me you don't have a lot of friends and you, you didn't you don't really like team sports. And so maybe that's why you're now just hanging out with the dogs running a kennel. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you're you're we obviously hit it off and, and enjoyed uh, all the conversations that we had and and the time we spent uh, hunting with these dogs. But um, yeah, you. You mentioned you don't have a lot. You don't have a lot of friends. Don't need a lot of friends. Right. I mean, I we got the bird dogs. I got Art and Mary out here. There's another gentleman that works out at the kennel. Uh, I mean, that's all you really need at the end of the day. I mean, because I know my dogs won't bullshit me. <laughs> and a lot of people, they'll, they'll bullshit you. But I know at least my dogs are honest. And they're, yeah. all, and they're always happy to see me. I'm always happy to see them. We'll call it even. We'll yeah. call it even at that. But I know there's a lot of bullshit in the world. And people will bullshit you. But I know my dogs won't. So, so <laughs> how did you start the training process? I, you, you mentioned you spent some time up in Montana. Uh, like South Dakota. South Dakota. Right. From. Okay. South Dakota. Yeah, so Bill, Bill, Bill came down to Texas, um, but we were running dogs before Bill came down. But I mean, just like everything, you, you just got to work dogs to be a dog trainer. Um, just dogs, dogs, dogs. And we were just trying to work as many possible. Uh, I've been up to see Ronnie and Susanna 
Love and um, Susanna Love and Ronnie, they're they're on a different level of training. They understand things about dogs, but they they just had family running the business and doing their business side of things for so long that it's just second nature for Ronnie and Susanna to work these dogs and and they have a method that's really foolproof, I think. And I got I was privileged enough to go up there and spend some time with them. They mentored me. Um, Bill Dillon, the old owner of the kennel, mentored me. And I think that's the thing about either any kind of hunting, but especially bird dogs is, or yeah, bird dogs especially is you need a good mentor. Cause I mean, this isn't the easiest lifestyles to live. There's times where, where the dogs just aren't doing what you need to do. And, and like I said before, it's not the dog's fault by any means, the dog's doing its best, but I mean, sometimes you're just not on the same page and, and it's good to have people like that to bounce ideas off of. So I, I'm very appreciative to have Ronnie and, and Bill and Susanna and Art and all these people to talk to when things are, things are getting a little, little bumpy. And I'm like, Hey, I got this dog doing this, this, and they're like, okay, we'll try this. And if it doesn't work, call me back in a week. Um, and that's kind of, it. they've helped me out a lot, but I mean, it just started, we were just running dogs. We were just running dogs and, and observing things. And we learn stuff every day, just like a dog shit. I think people are the same way. I think we should all learn at least one thing every day. Um, and that's what we try to teach the dogs. If, if they're not perfect, it's okay. We'll at least learn something today and get better as long as we're not going backwards. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and what are the three commands you said, once the dogs uh, have these down, that's the rest of it's pretty much, um, it's gravy. Right. Yeah. So, uh, we use a WHC, woe, heal, and come. So as long as you can get those three covers and, and you've got your dog walking next to you, he's coming with you in the field. You got him, get him some breaks. You say, he stops when you say, whoa, and then he, he comes to you when you ask him to come to you. I mean, and then that's how you, that's how you make a bird dog. That's how you make a bird dog. Cause once you got those rolling, then, then you're going to be cooking. You're going to be cooking. Then you can take him out in the field and, and you know, he's not going to get hurt because he has a good recall. Worst case scenario, he's running towards the cattle guard and you call him back. He doesn't break his leg. He's, he's running after a deer. You, you call him back. He doesn't, he doesn't run a million miles away from you. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just like a car. A car needs brakes. So that's your wolf. It's got to come with you. You got to have your steering wheel. And that's you. You're moving them in the field. And then you just got to come back to you when you called. So as long as you can get your WHC covered, you'll be all right. Uh, whoa, here and come. Uh-huh. Oh, whoa, here and come. And they'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, some things, sometimes things don't always go right. We had a little uh, imported dog. I think you guys got it from Holland. So you're always yes. looking to diversify your breeding program you picked up this French, uh, Brittany from Holland. His name is Scotch and he was the first dog that we ran and he got cut up pretty bad. I don't, we, we don't even know what cut him. Right. Some barbed wire or limb. I mean, something got him good, but that's the life that a little bird dog lives. I mean, you saw that little dog, he, he'd be ready to run. He wasn't, he wasn't going to stop until we noticed it. I mean, he would have yeah. ran all day and that's just the, that's how you know you got a good one. And I think any dog that will run that hard for you has a chance. Whether it's the most obedience dog, whether it's the fastest dog, but as long as your dog gives you the best, it has a chance. And that's what that's what we really try to to get the dogs to do. I mean, just but they they do it naturally. They do it naturally. They want to give you their all. And as long as it does that, they have a chance to be great. Uh-huh. So I've I've done uh a lot of hog dogging over the years, and those guys are all on the spot in the field want to be veterinarians right and they do it out of necessity your dog gets cut by a hog now we've got to staple the dog up or it's going to bleed out you know that's that's the reality and they don't have the lifespan a lot of them of uh of bird dogs 
but you also have to carry a staple gun with you and iodine and um all kinds of stuff right yeah i mean the, that first aid kit is something we always have in our dog box or the truck whenever we go somewhere i mean you never know when you're gonna have to patch it up and you never know where the closest bed is uh, down here in Texas, I mean, rattlesnakes is a big one. So I think if people can get their, their rattlesnake vaccines and then you can carry some antivenom with you and, and those kind of things, those are always good to have. Um, yeah, your med kit's important. You never know when you're going to have to patch up a dog. I'd say that first, the first time you clean it out, I mean, Art and I were talking about this when we were, when I got back, we were just talking, yeah, if you don't clean it out that first time really, really well, then that's where your infection comes um, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to the vet. I, I know a lot of old heads that they're like, oh, I'll never take my dog to the vet for this, that, and the other. But I mean, nothing's wrong with the vet. Yes, vet bills are not cheap at all. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, these little dogs bust their butt for us. The least you can do is get them proper care, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I took Belle. Uh, she, she passed away in December. Um, but her and I went to New Mexico in 2020 for, uh, I went bear hunting for a couple of days and then we spent a couple of days around Taos, uh, grouse hunting and she stabbed herself on some kind of stick. And it looked a lot, very similar to, to Scotch's wound where it was just kind of flayed open that the skin and right. kind of just flapping around. I was like, Oh my God, I got to take her to the vet. And I called and the vet was like, yeah, because of her age, she was like 10 at the time. Like, it'll be $500 just to see her. And then we estimate another seven or $800 to, just to, to stitch her up. I was like, Bell, mm, hope you enjoy your new scar. So <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I had, you know, I had a first aid kit for me, but I didn't have one for her. And um, so I, you know, I cleaned it out and stuff and I, I tried to put, it was on our chest and she wanted to keep hunting. We still had two days left. And I tried to put like a, an ACE bandage wrap around there and pfft, yeah, that didn't last very long. So, uh, yeah, right. she had a she had an gnarly scar, but she but like you said, she just wanted to keep hunting, just like Scotch did. They, dogs have such a high uh, threshold for pain; like it's insane. Oh yes, I mean we'll never really understand what's going on in their brains. I mean we try; we're really just taking a guess. But we're oh, wimps man, compared it, to them, yeah, right? I I, I said if I could be a bird dog for a day that's all i could handle probably because the, the <laughs> mentality of a bird dog is probably just nothing we can handle we would be complete this we would be in disarray if we saw the way a bird dog thinks and just the drive they have it, i don't think a person could handle it i mean they're they're on a whole nother level of their willingness to please their willingness to run through cover just to find game um yeah a bird dog is it's it's one of a kind it's one of a kind animal yeah well, and I told you one of the coolest things I ever saw Belle do, and she's obviously a lab, but um, she got to work behind a lot of uh, pointers and right. um, other bird dogs over, over the course of her life. And one time we were hunting with a Pudel pointer. It was the same color as Belle, um, chocolate. And I'd seen that dog pointing all morning. And then I told, I told the guy, I was like, hey, your dog's on point. And he goes, that's your dog. And I was like, what? <laughs> I look over and sure enough, it's Bell. This isn't anything to toot Bell's horn. What I want to talk about is that natural instinct. And you right. explained it to me. I guess I never really even thought, like, why do these pointers point? Why did bird dogs point? And so you broke it down for me. Um, it's really a simplistic uh, natural right. instinct. Yeah. So, I mean, any natural predator, like your dog or even your domesticated house cat, if you watch them, it, it, the stock is what turns into the point. They'll figure out there's, 
there's no way I'm going to be able to chase this thing and catch it. This, whether it's a bird or, or whatever, maybe a butterfly, a leaf. Every time you, you try to chase this object, it goes away. So then that chase turns into a stock and then the stock turns into a point. And sometimes, I mean, you get great dogs like your dog, Bill, who just naturally has that instinct um, that it realizes, okay, I'm going to stalk this, this, um, this bird. And then eventually I think something good will happen because the stock is what you get the point from. And, and over time, I mean, we've bred so well that the point is um, so natural nowadays. I think the French Brittany holds point really, really naturally. And it's something we love to see out of our young pups. I mean, it's, you could, anything that has prey drive, you can get the point. Um, just for anyone listening, I mean, any, any dog that has prey drive has potential, whether it's a bird dog or a dog you got from the shelter. If that dog will chase something, it'll chase the bird, we can turn it into a bird dog for you. We'll do our absolute best. Mm. So you have a GSP. I feel like you're kind of cheating on the kennel with your, your personal dog, but you brought, um, you, I think you brought either four or five French Britneys in the trailer and then your, your personal dog, uh, which watching. So I loved watching the, the French Britneys run, but just watching a GSP, it's like a freaking gazelle with how much ground those dogs can cover how graceful they run. Oh my God. I love a GSP too. Right. A short hair is a special kind of dog. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, um, I feel like it's a much more difficult dog to train than a French Brittany because it, sometimes it, it's a German dog. So I think it needs a lot less affection than the French Brittany's where these French Brittany's, they have no problem. Just like, I got all these little guys cuddled up right here next to oh, me. Yeah. And, and then that short hair, if she was down right now, she'd be running the fence line looking for game. Um, and they're just, their motor is extreme. Uh, you're, uh, any dog can get to that motor, but I see it so much in, in short hairs. Um, and they're, they're just built to run. They're built to cover ground, just like your big pointers are. Um, and watching a short hair run is a special thing. And that, I love that short hair, especially because she loves to retrieve. Um, and I, I got her and I just wanted a little dove dog and a dog I could take to the lake. And then we ended up hunting out here and, and looking for quail and looking for all kinds of birds. And, and, short hair is it's a great great dog uh, i like her too because even a short hair makes it a decent uh decent guard dog so i know if i leave her with with at the house with my girlfriend or some family i know at least the the dog will stand up for him a little french Brittany. i mean they might lick a criminal to death but i don't think my <laughs> short hair would be too greedy yeah yeah well there's an instagram page called gsp assholes just because <laughs> the dogs are like you said they're 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 a lot for some people, you know, they really right. are. Uh, but they're, they're still to their, their desire to hunt. My, my sister-in-law has one and I'll be honest, she got him trained and then life got busy and they started having kids and he hasn't been hunting in six or seven years. And he just paces the back fence just nonstop because right. he wants yeah, to be, he wants to be out looking for rabbits and, and birds. And, um, but like you said, on the retrieving thing, um, that's why Bell got to go on those hunts is because a lot of those pointers, uh, short hairs, they couldn't be bothered to pick up a, uh, a quail, you know, once they, point, right. that was, that was, their job was done. They did their job and they're on looking for the next covey. Um, right. what, and I think, I think it is in those dogs to retrieve. I think it's just something that's not as natural for like your labs, obviously, or your cockers or springers. I think it, it can be put into those dogs. It just takes a lot more work. Yeah, and they they definitely haven't bred for that. They're they're just breeding breeding dogs in the pointer world, big running dogs that have desire to find game and that can that just are healthy and 
they could run for a while. I mean, I'm sure if there was a line where they wanted to have pointers that were retrieve you could definitely do it i mean any any dog can almost do absolutely anything it just some take a lot more time than others mm-hmm. but now these french britneys though are eager to retrieve we i wouldn't oh, know yeah. because the 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 hunting was was so bad we never saw a quail <laughs> we hunted for a day and a half and we bumped one covey that was it and we had like four thousand acres to work with uh so yeah, we never got the, to see them the, retrieve <laughs> the French Britney is a dog that loves to retrieve. It's just a pleasing dog. It's a versatile dog, just like your short hairs and, and your uh, your small monster landers. And whenever whenever the dogs trial in France, those it runs in the HPR category, which stands for hunt point retrieve. So it has to do everything. Um, and it we love watching these little guys retrieve. It's very natural for them. Um, but the French Britney, it'll, it'll definitely pick up with the rest of them. Obviously not like your lab. I know your lab was probably an incredible retriever, but it's in the name. So yeah, it, it, it's bred for over years to, to have desire to go out, find game and bring it back to you. But I mean, these little French Britneys, the, the sky is the limit with them. I mean, just like any dog though, like I said, the sky is the limit. It's just how much time you want to put into it and how patient you are. I think that's the most important thing. Just patience. Just patience. So- John, we have to talk about some of the lingo of the right. upland hunter. And one word that you kept saying really stuck out. And the only time I ever hear this word used is when, say, like a soccer player scores two goals in a game and it's a brace. And you're like, well, we're going to oh, run okay. this brace of dogs. And I'm like, you mean a pair or this duo? <laughs> or, like, so that, that was funny to me um, because you're, like you said, you're a young man and this is clearly old man's language. We're gonna run a brace of dogs with right, our yeah. with our over unders today. It's very it's a gentleman's sport. I didn't even carry I didn't even carry around a gun that day. I don't think I was just walking around with a walking stick, and we were just yeah. telling stories and following the dogs. I mean, and that's the thing about upland hunting. It's it's an older I think it's an older man's sport uh, or women's older older person sport. Um, and I think it, I wish there was a way where I could get it out to the younger community, but at this point in, in the hunting world, it, it's a little bit expensive unless you're going out to public land where you're battling traffic and stuff like that. But I mean, running a brace, I mean, I've heard that for a long, long time. Um, and I even remember it was whenever you'd go out to hunt or you go out to a field trial, you, you dress you would dress nice. You'd have a uh-huh. nice collar shirt on. And I, I try to, we do that every day here. I mean, every day you wear a college shirt and you dress like someone's coming to visit the kennel. Um, don't get me wrong. I'll wear my hoodie whenever it's cold and, and I'll look, <laughs> I'll look like a goofball with my hoodie on, but whenever we have guests coming, I mean, you wear a nice college shirt. I mean, there's a way of going about it. And when you respect the woods and you respect the dogs, I think good things happen to you. So, I mean, I, I don't go out there and I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying a bunch of stuff to begin with because the dogs don't need to hear a bunch of stuff. I'm just letting yeah. them work at that point. But I think the lingo is something that's just over time. I mean, you don't, you don't talk like a goofball when you're out there. I mean, you got to pay your respects to, to the nature and you got to pay your respects to the dogs and, and your company. I mean, you're never just going to be just talking, talking out of your butt, I guess. I mean, there's a way to do things out there. And, it, and I think being respectful and respecting the dogs, like I said, well, it's tradition, right? I mean, a lot of right. upland hunting is is that the tradition of the sport. And right. it is, and this was even more um, abundantly clear on our hunt. It, it is really, shooting a bird over the dogs is, is really just a bonus. Um, it isn't about how many quail you, you put in the bag. It's about watching the dogs do their thing and, and you know, even for me as, as someone that's had labs essentially my entire adult life, 
uh, it's all about the dogs. And I right. think upland hunting is, it's even, um, it's exponentially, it's how the dog's running today. Um, and it's a wonderful thing to watch and experience. Going back to what you said, though, about, you know, it is an old man's game. You're 22. Unless people like you pass the torch on, it, it's going to die because uh, it's hard. It's so hard these days to find habitat where you can actually get dogs on birds. Um it's not cheap. So I, I, that's really why I wanted to have you on and just say through our conversations that, you know, we spent those two days together out in West Texas. And um, I appreciate you, you picking up the torch and, and wanting to make this your life's work, man. Right. I mean, the thing about if anyone's ever seen a bird dog go on point, it's kind of, or at least for me, I mean, I can't speak for everyone else, but seeing a bird dog go on point, it's kind of one of those, those things in the world that, it's just everything. I mean, just like the dog, everything stops and all the, all the, yeah, all the, and it's literally a dog on point and they turn to stone and they're locked up and they're frozen. And when you see that, I mean, it kind of, everything else goes out the, out the door. I mean, all the problems, I mean, the world stops for a second and then a covey of birds flushes up and, and then you just get to be in awe and be a little kid again and and just admire. Um, And I think that's the thing about dogs is you don't like whenever we go out, it's never a lot of yelling at the dogs or a lot of talking. I mean, you just sit there just sit back and watch the show, let the dogs work and admire the beauty of all of it, whether it's, it's the, the sunrise or it's the horizon or whatever it may be. I mean, just going out there and, and it, you're right. It's not about putting birds in the bag. It's just enjoying the day and enjoying your dog working and, and seeing that, that God has this power to, to, to bless these little animals with the desire to run and find game for us. And, and whenever you see them go on point, it's just um, it's just something that I guess no one will ever really understand unless you see it, unless mm-hmm. you see it. I think the most wild quail I've ever taken in one hunt was like seven or eight and the limit's oh, 15. Yeah. So right. it's a tough you, bird to hunt. Oh, yeah. So the, you have this limit of 15 birds. And I think there's a misconception that uh, that's that. I mean, getting 15 dove, not that hard. Getting 15 <laughs> quail freaking very difficult right um oh yeah, yeah. it's not easy and, by any and it's means. not something that people really strive for as far as the 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 folks who are immersed in the sport like you know it's not about getting a limit of quail like we said it's that's all just uh, a bonus um as far as plum creek kennels go do you guys um breed and train dogs and sell puppies yes, sir. Like, what is so okay yes sir um, so we, we have a breeding program here. We have about, um, I think we have about, there's about 24 dogs out here at the kennel. I think we have eight females that are in the program. Um, we have, we try to get litters out to people. I mean, there's a waiting list of people. People, obviously, they want the tricolors, um, Brittany. And that's something about the French Brittany that the American Brittany doesn't classify it we we have um a tricolor dog which is your black with a little bit of orange and uh, also white and then we also have a liver which is a little bit of like um almost like a burgundy color um that's our liver dogs so we have a breeding program and we try to try to get people a dog that's that's just amazing in the house but it's also a dog you can take out with you in the woods and it could find some birds for you and then we also accept client dogs um when we have stalls open 
we accept client dogs to come in and then we're also we do um hunt and train seminars and as well as seminars out here at the program and it's it's a method that we we think works really well it's not a heavy e-collar method we we do use e-collars um you saw that i mean but that stuff's really just for the, the safety of it i mean if your dog's really not uh, broke you probably shouldn't be taking them out anyway um, just for safety purposes, in my opinion. I mean, if your dog doesn't have good recall, like a hundred percent recall, you probably shouldn't be bringing them out anyway. And I think some people depend on that, that e-call a little much at times, which, which is okay. As long as you keep your dogs out of harm's way, that works. But yes, at, at the kennel, we, we try to get client dogs in. Um, it works out because as our puppies go out, a lot of people, they'll, they'll send their dogs back to us and we'll get them trained up for us. Um, and then we sell started dogs as well. And, and we sell our retired dogs and stuff along those lines. It, it's a full functioning kennel and there's a website, um, Facebook page. We're not on Instagram. I don't believe, um, but definitely Facebook. And there's a website. If anyone wants to go check us out, um, Bill Dillon did a great job with the breeding program. And now I, our Heisler and Mary Heisler, they're taking over the breeding program and they're, they're doing great things with it. I mean, the little dog now we're uh, we're on to um oh man we we just went into some frozen semen and we we, we bred a dog with it so we're excited to see what those little pups turn out to be they've done a great job with they've done a great great job with the french Brittany breeding program um, bill, bill, bill and kathy Dillon did amazing so they've taken on some of these dogs to france to trial right right, right. Um, and because of covid I, all of that went away do you think that she'll end up uh going over to france and and yeah, taking some I mean, of that that's our that's our main goal not our main goal necessarily but i think i think these little french britneys we're breeding i think the world needs to see them and i think they can run with the best um and we'll run in american field trials and then we'll, we'll also go over to france for the field trials like you said uh, the thing we really really love about the french field trials is that every everything's on wild birds everything's on wild birds so it's a hunt um it's not pen raised birds and i'm not bashing any of the pen raised birds or anything like that but it's a hunt and and some days bill would say there's there's just no birds in the field and, that, and then that's the run your dog got that day um, if the judge liked them then then you say okay well let's go run in this field but i mean it's an, it's a hunt and sometimes the luck's not on your side and your dog doesn't find birds that day but another dog finds birds and he looks amazing and that dog wins and um, that's what we love about the French field trials and that is a goal of ours to get back over there I think the pandemic stuff should be ending here pretty soon I'm not sure I don't pay a whole lot of attention to that stuff we just run the dogs but I think they should be opening up soon and we're definitely trying to get back over there we have some young prospects that we like very cool well yes, man sir. I uh, like I said, I enjoyed our time. It was uh, circumstances that that brought us together, and my wife always thinks it's crazy. I've talked about this on the show before because it's happened so many times. She's like, "You're doing what? You're meeting some total stranger in a, a town I don't even know where you're gonna be out in the middle of nowhere." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's cool. He's it's a hunter, you know. It's just like me." And right, especially yeah. especially someone with dogs too. Most, you can tell a lot by a person just by how they treat their dogs. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> if, if they're harsh on their dogs, I mean, there's a good chance that they might burst out in anger one day at you. But I mean, it, I, I hope the people that are patient, I, like I try to be, I, I try to be really, really patient with a lot of people. But at the same time, I mean, I, I'm okay with just staying around the dogs more than anything. Yeah. Well, you told me that you made a new friend in me. Uh, so I, I, that's high praise. From, from someone oh, who's, 
who's even admitted, I don't need to have that many friends. So I enjoyed our, I, enjoyed <laughs> no, no, our no. Time. I, I think friends are, I think friends are very important, but I think there's a lot of people that will bullshit you too. But yeah. I, I know, I knew you were a good guy. Uh, I knew you were a good guy just by the way you talked about your dogs and just the, by the way you looked at my dogs and things along those lines. Um, so I definitely appreciate meeting you. Um, it was a pleasure. Uh, sorry, we couldn't get you on more birds. But... Well, Hey, you know what? The, the, that was another funny moment is we're, we're like, God, all this habitat. And I mean, the habitat looked amazing. Right. But they obviously haven't had timely rainfall out there in some time. And, um, the, basically the deer hunters were trying to sublease it to me for quail and Turkey and just to pay for some of their protein costs. And the game warden's card was on the, uh, the wall there in the cabin. And I, I picked it up and called him and he was like, yeah, we really haven't had many quail since like 2013. <laughs> and this was like halfway through our hunt. And I'm like, well, there you go. We did find one yeah. covey. Uh, hey, that was it. Like we said, I mean, it only takes one to get you to come back. Oh it my only gosh, takes yeah. one to get you to come back. Um, no. And that's the, that's the thing about that property. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm no wildlife biologist by any means, but I think for that, that property, from what I saw and heard, I think um, if they could do something about, the predators the foxes and the coyotes i think if they could take those out i think they have a chance to to get some quail because that's just like a sitting happy meal for for a coyote or a fox i mean yeah. just a covey of quail right there on the ground that's like a, a free meal for them and they'll, they'll just wipe out a whole population yeah well and and after you left i called a fox in in like like two minutes and so the, right. that oh they were they were out there yeah, yeah they were out there for sure yeah well, man, yeah, thanks for uh, for carrying the torch for the younger generation. Like I said, if, if folks like you don't do it, it's a, it's a it's an old man sport, and that means right. that uh, a young man has to to step up and and make sure that that this thing continues and that right. uh, because these bird dogs, I mean, they deserve it. You know, they've right. Uh, right. people have invested centuries into breeding them to this point and uh, point. Um, didn't that uh <laughs> that was an accident there but yes they've bred these pointing dogs uh for centuries to, to get them to where they are and and i'm glad to see that continue and and for someone like you to uh, to pick up that torch and and to have such a passion for these upland dogs it's uh, uh it's awesome I, to see man right and i think every i mean every day i mean don't get me wrong there's days where you you come out and the dog's not doing the right thing and you, you can get discouraged. It is easy to get discouraged because, I mean, at the end of the day, when you're playing field trials or, or you're guiding or whatever it may be, your dogs do kind of control – the dogs and the birds kind of control your livelihood at that point. And sometimes it's – I think bird dog, running bird dogs is so great because it, it teaches you to let go. You can't control everything and anything in life, actually. You can't control yeah. anything. Uh, and sometimes you just got to let it go and sit back and, and watch the show or smell the roses or whatever the saying may be that you want to choose. Um, I think that's that's why bird dogs are so great. I mean, they teach you to appreciate things and and just just um, just let it happen and just let it happen. And I think we just need to keep keep the bird numbers going. I don't know how how we can do it everywhere, but I think we just need younger people to get involved. I think we need more people like you uh, doing podcasts, just getting things out there. Um, and social media is obviously something that I think can play a huge part in the conservation side of things to let people know. Hey, if you get a little bird dog, it might be the best time of your life to follow it around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I th- and I don't think a lot of people grew up in that type of environment. So I think they do need to get informed on this stuff and uh, maybe watch a bird dog run. Go, go get, go to your, support your local outfitters and stuff like that. 
watch a bird dog run and then maybe one day you'll want to get one yeah well no doubt well hey man i enjoyed our time in in camp and uh, i look forward to the next time hopefully we'll we'll find a place that has a few more birds on it absolutely we'll always be ready i mean the box is always there all right man well hey take care yes sir Rolling in the mud again like